Good morning, everyone. Enjoying this nice Arizona weather? Is this Flagstaff or what? No, no. This is the Phoenix area. I hope you had a very wonderful Christmas. I hope you were able to spend a lot of time with family. I'm hearing from a lot of people that it was a relaxing Christmas. A lot of people took time to relax. You can be seated. I'm, I hope you had a little time to relax, and we really appreciate you coming out this morning. I know you have your Christmas cookie hangovers, but it's nice to see that you're here and you put the Lord first. Isn't our God great? There's no one like him. We exalt you, Lord. Just think about all the wonderful things he's done in our lives. And even look around this room. The reason why we were all here, and we're all friends, is because of Jesus, right? He's a great God. There's no one like him. Now, I want to share with you this morning, I really appreciate that Pastor Jeff has given me the opportunity to speak this morning. It's an honor, and I really hope that the Lord will use me to speak to your heart. I don't want to just say empty words. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will really move in this place, move in each one of our hearts, each one of our minds, and I really pray that each person here will receive some important thing that they can take from this service today. Do you come to church services expecting to receive, that you really receive direction or counsel from the Lord or healing? I'm going to ask us all to pray for a few moments and really ask that the presence of the Holy Spirit would be very strong in this place. Nothing great really happens unless the Holy Spirit anoints it and empowers it, right? And so my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would anoint what I say. Again, I don't want it to be my words. You don't want to hear my words. You want to hear from the Lord, right? You want to hear what he has to say. But it's equally important that our hearts are prepared. The soil of our hearts have to be prepared in order to receive. Now, there's many distractions that can happen. We can start thinking, oh, I wonder why Pastor Jeff isn't here. I wonder where so-and-so is. Oh, I have to get my car fixed a little later on. Oh, and those pesty neighbors are coming over this afternoon. You can have a lot of distractions, a lot of things that come to your mind that really take you off concentrating on what God is saying. So how many of you would agree with me that you really want the Lord to anoint the soil of your heart so that today can be a very special day and you can leave here with a very special word from God. Anyone with me on that? Okay, well, let's pray. We have to make the decision. I've made the decision. I want to speak God's word, not my word. And you have made the decision that you want to hear God's word and you want to understand it. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we bless you. Father, you are such a great God. We worship you. We exalt you. There is no one like you. You are worthy of all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. Father, we bless you. And Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness even unto death. 
Through your death, we are experiencing resurrection life. And we thank you, Father, and we thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit into our hearts that we can change, that we can be improved, get better, serve you more, accomplish what you want. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move through this place. In Jesus' name, I take authority over the distractions. I take authority over any spiritual warfare the enemy would try to accomplish here today. Holy Spirit, I ask you to just take over this service. I ask you to move with healing for those who need healing. I ask you to move with salvation for those that need salvation. Father, for those who need a word of counsel, a word of direction, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bring that in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We thank you. Just thank him for a minute. Thank Jesus. Thank Jesus for all he's done in your life. Thank him for all he's continuing to do in your life. Thank him for filling you with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we bless you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you probably haven't noticed, I'm a little bit of a prayer fanatic. I really like to praise the Lord and I really like to pray. And I'm going to talk to you today primarily about relationship. But it's kind of interesting that if we're really seeking the Lord, if we're really seeking to have a personal relationship with Him, we will find that God speaks to us. How many of you are crazy enough to admit God talks to you sometimes? Two people? Oh, four, five, six. Another one in the back. Well, actually, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. And so if we are in a good and wholesome relationship with the Lord, we should be hearing from Him. We can hear from His Word when we sit and read the Bible. A word can jump out and bite us. We'll say, God's spoken to me. Another Christian may share something with us, and we say, that was really God speaking to me, right? Or if we listen enough in our relationship with the Lord... If we get quiet and don't do all the talking, it's amazing that God will speak to us. So the general parameters of this message will be relationship with him, but that isn't particularly the topic that the Lord wanted me to share. As I say, I had a different idea. It was kind of interesting. I had this all planned out, what I was going to speak on, I thought, that's great. I really feel good about that, and I have a great outline. And this is going to be so encouraging to people. And then last week I was praying. I said, Lord, what do you think of that outline? Isn't that great? It's going to be a great message. He said, very nice. I said, well, that's what you want me to talk about, right? He said, no, this is what I want you to talk about. So I said, you've got to be kidding me. Okay. Well, you can do whatever you want to do. And so I'm going to teach what God wants us to hear today rather than a great idea I had. Maybe another time it will be appropriate. 
But see, God has a will, God has a plan, God wants a personal relationship with us. This isn't all about following rules. This isn't all about doing the right thing. I mean, we've all had enough of that, right? This is all about Jesus and walking with him and talking with him and listening to him. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, as we get ready to begin a new year, it seems like I usually wind up doing the last message of the year. That's kind of neat. I am kind of analytical. I do kind of look at the overall picture. And I find in my own life, I'm looking back and thinking, how was this year? And primarily, did I grow in the Lord at all? Have you done that yet? Have you started thinking, as I look over this whole past year, can I really say that I have grown in the Lord? How many of you have done that so far? How many of you are going to do it? A little pressure here. Well, we really need to look back, we need to examine, and we really need to think, have I grown? Am I better than I was at the beginning of the year? Again, I'm not talking about self-help. I'm not talking about following rules. I'm talking about, has my relationship with Jesus Christ gotten deeper? New Year's is usually the time people make resolutions. I've kind of given up doing that at the end of the year because, to tell you the truth, every day I make a resolution. I make a resolution that, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. When I accepted you, I died. Now my life is hidden in Christ. And so every day I decide I want what you want, I don't necessarily want what I want. God, you've been so good to me. How many of you can honestly say God has been good to you? God has been so good to me. My life is focused on, Lord, what can I do for you? Do you know that God has works prepared in advance for you to accomplish? He does. And most people don't think about that. So I'm going to cover a lot of these things today. I want to share a scripture passage that the Lord told me to share. And I'm so grateful that whenever I put his will first and I get rid of self and ask him what he wants, he's so faithful. That day that I said, Lord, do you like my message? He said it was very nice, but it wasn't what he was planning. I said, okay, what are you planning? He gave me the topic. Now, most of you will probably go, oh, no. The topic is holiness. He said, I want you to speak on holiness. And I said, what do you want me to say? And I got a pad, and I got a pencil, and I sat down, and it was like unbelievable how he just led me to give a whole outline. I thought, thank you so much. This is an all about trying to do something to impress God or to impress other people. It's all about being his mouthpieces, being used by God to further the kingdom. And so he wants me to talk about holiness. We're going to talk about holiness. I hope you like it. If you don't like it, complain to the management because I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. 
Would you look with me at 1 Peter 1? I'm going to look verses 13 to 16. Now, I think probably Peter knows what he's talking about. And so this is written by the Apostle Peter, who walked with the Lord, who had a very special place in God's plan. And this is his word to all believers. And particularly, since God picked this out, this is God's word to you today. So I want you to listen very carefully. Read, listen. Ask the Lord to imprint this message on your heart from the scripture here. 1 Peter 1, verses 13 to 16. I'm going to read from the New International Version. And it says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What do you think of that? Strong word, isn't it? We're going to break that down a little bit. We're going to talk about holiness. You know, I'm go- what I'm going to do, I'm also going to read that to you, that same passage. I'm going to, re- to uh, read it to you from the message. Now, the message isn't, I would say, an accurate translation. I wouldn't use it for your Bible study. But it does sometimes put uh, the verses in a modern-day language that we can really understand. And sometimes that really gets to people. So I want to read 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16 from the paraphrase, not translation, paraphrase the message. This is what it says. So roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy. You be holy. Wow. That really puts it in modern day language, doesn't it? And so we're talking about really being concentrated on seeking holiness. Now I'm going to tell you what holiness is, but first I'm going to tell you what holiness isn't. Now when you talk about holiness, a lot of people think of tent meetings, they think of gospel quartets, They think of women with long hair, no makeup, no dancing, no drinking, no card playing. Count me out. I'm not going there. I don't like all that legalism, which is what a lot of people think holiness is, a set of rules. And basically, 
people are trying to impress men. God isn't impressed by that. You can be the most uptight, dressed right person, but if your heart isn't right with God, God isn't impressed. You can do all the right things, but if it's not proceeding from love, forget it. God is not impressed. So holiness is not all these rules that maybe you heard. If you were brought up in a fundamentalist church, you might have said, I don't drink, smoke, chew, and I don't go with girls who do. Now, maybe you recited that. If you were part of a more liberal church, you probably did all of the above, right? Now, I'm not saying that we should do these things. We really need to ask the Lord. God deals with each one of us personally. God has his own growth plan for each one of us. We can't point fingers at one another and say, look at what this person is doing, that person is doing. God has a unique personal plan for each one of us. So we don't start pointing fingers at one another. We concentrate on ourselves and our own relationship with the Lord. So holiness is not just living with a set of rules. Holiness is not trying to impress other people. Now, some of you might say, well, you're trying to impress us with your tie and your shirt. And your... No, it was cold, and I have a closet full of long sleeve shirts and ties. So I thought, let's use them, right? So we're not trying to impress other people. We're trying to be used of God and continue a strong relationship with him. What does the Bible say about holiness? First, let's look at God's holiness. What does that mean? God is unlike any other person. God is in person. But is unlike any other. There is no trace of sin in him. No one can compare with him. Isn't that what we sang this morning? No one can compare with God. His love is holy love. His mercy is holy mercy. Even his anger is holy anger. Now, some of these concepts are difficult for us to understand. When God told Israel to be holy, he was saying, be distinct from other nations. Be my special people. Live so the world knows that you belong to me. In 1 Peter 1, which we just examined a few minutes ago, Peter is now talking to New Testament believers. Be set apart from the world and keep your focus on God. Live by God's standards, not the world's. God isn't calling us to be perfect, but he's calling us to be distinct from the world. As we keep our focus on him, we will com he will complete his work in us. I always get kind of sad at times when I think there are a lot of people who say they're saved, but they never seem to experience any change in their life. I mean, you're not really saved unless the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That's the test. And I'm not talking about you're being a fanatic. You just know that God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And you should be experiencing change or you should be experiencing conviction. You should be experiencing God's voice. You should be experiencing 
God saying, that's enough. I don't want you doing that anymore. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And you should be hearing the Lord telling you to do something else. Go to that person. Be kind to that person. Go to your neighbor. Reach out. Volunteer at church. Whatever you should sense that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and he's changing you. Now, there's a lot of Christians, they think that God is just an insurance agent. They think that the main reason we get saved is so that we don't go to hell. But the thing is, I'm wondering, are some people really saved? I don't know. That's between you and God. But if you don't experience a vibrant, growing relationship with the Lord, I would say there's something that's not right yet, that God's trying to get your attention and there's some part of you that is not surrendered to him. So we're talking about being filled with the Spirit. We're talking about having a great relationship. If we are truly Christians, if we are truly striving for holiness, we realize that we have a unique relationship with God. We should be aware each day all I am and all I have belongs to God. As you're going through this holiday season, do you just think I'm going to get stuff with my money? Or are you asking, Lord, how do you want me to spend your money? You've given it to me. So we recognize that God wants to be involved in every area of our lives. He's not just someone that we get an insurance policy that says we're not going to hell. He's someone who opened the way for us to enter into the Holy of Holies and have a unique personal relationship with Him. I can honestly tell you I have come to the point in my life that Jesus Christ is my best friend. He really is. And although I know many wonderful people... Sometimes those people disappoint me. But you know, God never disappoints me. He's always there. He always listens. He always forgives. He's always there for me. Have you experienced that? And so, all that we are and everything that we have belongs to God. Every aspect of our lives is to be directed towards Him and submitted to Him what I do with my time, what I do with my home, what I do at work. It's all about Him. We are not just the same if we've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. We are just not a renewed, uh, pardon me, a renovated version of the old. We are new creations. The spirit that was dead inside of us has become alive with God's spirit when we accepted Jesus Christ. And He's saying... The old is gone. This is the new. You're mine. We're living this life together. Follow my direction, you'll be fruitful. Follow my direction and there'll be a great reward for you in heaven. I will say to you, well done, faithful servants. That's what it's all about. It's like, it's all about going from an old life to a new life. I remembered when I, remember when I first accepted Jesus Christ. It was just amazing. I saw everything differently. 
Everything looked different. I went outside, everything looked so green and blue. I thought, is this the same world that I'm looking at? And I had such an awareness that I had really died. The old self had died. And I fully expected to go out and see a tombstone that had my name on it. That's how real it was to me. And you know what? That's 42 years ago. And Jesus Christ has been faithful. He's put up with a lot with me. God has also chastened me at times. Has God ever chastened you? If you've been chasing, you're a child of God. If you get too far off track, or he can't woo you back or speak back, he will allow something to chasten you that will bring you back. So the point I'm trying to make, if we are really to seek holiness, because God is holiness, is holy, that means we are seeking to be like him. That's the goal of our lives. Our goal isn't to just get as much stuff as we can in life. Our goal is to become as much like Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit will allow us. No one of us is going to be perfect on earth, but certainly we can be a whole lot better. How many of you would agree with me that there's really, you could be a little bit better version of you? I think that's why God wants us all to hear this message. He wants us to seek, to seek him, to surrender to him, to give everything over to him. We died. Life is not all about me any longer. Life is not all about you any longer. Life is about extending the reign of Jesus Christ through the earth in any way we can with people we come in contact with, and accomplishing whatever he wants us to do. Jesus gave the Father the glory by accomplishing what the Father sent him to do. When we appear before God, will he say, you gave me glory because you accomplished what I sent you to do. Think about all the people you know that are not saved. Have you ever stopped and thought, why me? I think of that so often. I have many relatives. A lot of cousins come from big family on both sides. And I think, they don't seem to have any interest in the Lord. Why did God pick me? Have you ever felt that way? It is a tremendous honor that God the Father has drawn you to Jesus for salvation. A tremendous honor to become part of God's family. It is not something to be taken lightly. It is not something we have God here and the rest of our life here, and sometimes they meet and sometimes they don't. This is all about God living in me, walking towards what God wants for me, and for what God wants me to accomplish. It is no longer about me. Turn to someone and say, it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. It's primarily about union with God. It's about sharing in Christ's holiness. It's about throwing out all our self-help books and relying on the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is pretty underrated. You know that? I don't necessarily think the Holy Spirit is underrated in this church, but a lot of churches are primarily self-help programs. Here, read this. Do this. Do that. I have found the secret to success is yielding and surrendering every day to the power of the Holy Spirit and asking Him to work in me, asking me to asking him to make me more like Jesus, asking him to show me each day what he wants me to do, asking him each day to help me have victory over temptation. Do you find yourself doing that? This isn't a self-help program. Have any of you tried self-help? It works for a few weeks at most, and then you're back where you started. But if we rely on the Holy Spirit, He is God. And His power will change us more and more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. The more we are like Jesus, the more God can use us. A lot of people say, gee, I'd like to be used by God. I wish God would use me in more powerful ways. I want to ask you, are you seeking holiness? Are you seeking union? Are you being an obedient child? Or you just want what you think is the honor that comes from having a greater role in the body of Christ? There's a price to pay. How many of you know there's a price to pay? If you want to walk in the anointing of God, if you want to do the greater works that he's calling the body to do, there is a price to be paid. And the price to be paid is death to self and letting him work through us. Not I who live, but he who lives in me. The secret to greater usefulness in the kingdom is saying, it's about time I'm done with that sin. It will no longer rule over me. There's a lot of people in the body of Christ, they feel powerless. They think, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried all my self-help tools. I've had other people pray for me. I've done everything. I can't get rid of that sin. I can't change. What I say, rely on the Holy Spirit. Get serious with God. Get serious. If you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Who says that? God. God says that if you really want me, seek me with your whole heart, and you will find me. If you really want to be used by me to further the kingdom, surrender completely. Surrender as much as you can every day. Right? And so the Holy Spirit, he's not an add-on. He's not a nice little bird in Christianity. He is God the third person of the Trinity who started the church. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God came down because Jesus was no longer walking the earth, and the Holy Spirit birthed the church. And the Holy Spirit will keep the church going. The Holy Spirit will keep empowering the church. The Holy Spirit will keep changing lives as we yield to him. So when we looked at 1 Peter 1, it says, With minds 
that are alert and fully sober. What does that mean? I'm alert. We look at the signs of the times and we feel terrible, but it hasn't changed our lives. We just need to read the newspaper, watch TV. We know that Jesus is coming soon. But my question for us is, does it change our lives? Do we find ourselves drawing closer to the Lord, or are we just bemoaning and talking about those terrible unbelievers who do terrible things? What about the believers who don't take seriously their call in Christ and accomplish what God wants us to accomplish? What about those who sit in church week after week saying, teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me, and they do nothing with it? You know how you will grow a lot in the Lord? If you start serving other people. If you have to read the Bible to share a message with someone else, you'll grow the most. If you're depressed, you'll get out of depression when you reach out to someone else. It's not about me. It's about Him. And Holy Spirit, what do you want? Use me. Move through me. So with minds that are alert, fully sober, what does that mean? Not given to excess. Not concentrated on self. If you're living a sober life, it's not talking about just drinking. It's just talking about you realize that excesses aren't good. God wants us to have a balanced life. You know, we don't want to become religious fanatics either and neglect our families or not perform our jobs. God wants us to have balanced lives. He wants us to realize that we shouldn't be given to excesses. And it says, set your hope on the grace to be brought when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. A lot of Christians talk about Jesus is coming and it will be so great. I want to ask you, when you see him coming on the clouds, how are you going to feel about what you accomplished? How are you going to feel about your relationship with him? Has it been good? Has it been strong? It's welcoming an old friend, someone who's walked with you every day, who's talked with you. That's who Jesus is. He's with us all the time. And so we set our hope. That girds our whole lives. Let me ask you, do you believe Jesus is coming back? Don't say it lightly. Do you really believe that? Does your life show that you believe that? Does your life show that he could come today and you would be ready? Set your hope, your attention, your mind on what is to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed that is coming. Now, Peter had also talked about as obedient children. I want to ask you, are you an obedient child? We can talk about our own kids, our own grandkids that, you know, they don't listen to us. Does God say, you don't listen to me? Are we obedient children? Do we do what he wants us to do? Are we really centered on his will? Or are we disobedient? It's amazing that our children and our grandchildren are disobedient because we're disobedient. 
They're just modeling our behavior. If our children and our grandchildren really see us following the Lord and they know that Jesus is first in our lives, there's a good chance they will go in that direction. But if it's just basically, oh, my parents follow certain rules, but they don't really have a real relationship. They have religion. Our children will shun Christianity and they won't be drawn to Jesus. So Peter says, as obedient children, we have to ask ourselves, are we obedient? I have to ask myself, am I obedient? I'll tell you the truth, there were many times I was not obedient. God got my attention. It's much easier to be obedient. It's much easier to willingly follow God than to have him apply a little bit of discipline to our lives. And what does it mean to be obedient? Don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. That seems to make sense, right? But what do we do? We struggle with the past inside of us. Although we know we're new, we get a draw back to the old. We kind of get a kick doing the things we used to do. And we're drawn back. But you know, there comes a time when we just have to say, enough is enough. We have to get serious with God and say, I make a decision today. I am not going to do that anymore. Have any of you found yourself getting to that point? You have to be serious. There are temptations. There are difficulties. But we have to get to the point that we put our foot down. And that can involve a lot of things. They say a lot of people in church as Christians very involved in pornography. There has to come a point where you say, I am not doing that anymore. I am making a decision. I don't want that. And now I call on the Holy Spirit if I have to call on him every half hour or every hour, I call on him to change me and deliver me and set me free. There are a lot of people who, who in cheating in their businesses. That's not giving God glory or honor. A decision has to be made. I will not do that anymore. But I'm kind of used to doing it, so I need the power of the Holy Spirit to give me the ability to say no to the flesh and yes to God. And you know what? Sometimes you have to battle it out. You have to be on your knees praying. Sometimes it seems... Every hour, Lord, I can't do this. I need your help. And when God sees that you're really serious and the devil sees that you're really serious, you will have victory. And so don't conform to the evil desires you had before. We all have a draw. We all have a pull. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Even though you're saved, you have a draw back to the old things at times. That's natural. It doesn't mean God isn't with you. It just means that God is working to transform every area of your life. When one becomes a Christian, 
His or her spirit is filled with the Holy Spirit. The dead spirit comes alive with God's life. However, we still have the soul of man and the body of man living there. The spirit is in charge, but we have the soul, we have the emotions, we have the intellect, we have the will. That still needs to be redeemed. We have bodies that even though we're born-again Christians, they're dying, they get ill, they will be transformed at the resurrection, right? But right now, what is happening is God is working in us to the salvation of the soul so that I can get to the point that I always will what God wills, that I am not bound by these old emotions, the hurt, the pain, the things that I've gone through. These things are no longer controlling me. The past memories are covered with the blood of Jesus. And you will find that over time, God may bring past sins to your mind. It doesn't mean he didn't forgive them. It means he wants them fully covered with the blood so that they no longer affect you. Any of you know what I'm talking about? You have flashbacks. It doesn't mean those sins aren't forgiven. It means God wants to change them. So bring that memory. Bring that sin to him. Let him get it out of the way. Let it be covered with the blood of Jesus and not brought up again. And so even though our spirits are born again when we accept Jesus Christ, we still live with the old soul, the will, the emotions, the memories, and the same body. But holiness is really seeking to glorify God because he said, be holy because I am holy. It's interesting in Hebrews 12, 14, you know what it says? It tells us to be holy because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Be holy for without holiness, no one will see the Lord. The only way that holiness happens in your life is first of all accepting Jesus Christ as Savior, and secondly, being filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can live the victorious Christian life and bring God glory. If those things haven't happened in your life, there's no way that you can bring God glory. Holiness is relationship-driven, set apart, dedicated to God, I belong to God. Can you say that with me, that you belong to God too? Do you know that? Do you realize you don't belong to yourself anymore? If you still belong to yourself, get saved. If you have been saved, you don't belong to yourself, you belong to God. Change of ownership, new management. We don't live the same old way. We don't live our lives asking God to bless our plans and what we want to do. We realize he is in charge. Whatever you want, Lord, my life is at your disposal. Amen? And so how does holiness happen in our lives? It happens through accepting Jesus Christ as Savior, first of all. I am not going to presume that everyone in this room is saved. So I'm going to share a scripture. I'm going to talk about that for a few moments. 
because it is absolutely important that each one of us come to a point of decision in our lives where we accept Jesus Christ as Savior. The good news is God doesn't send anyone to hell. The bad news is we make a choice whether we want to go there or not. God doesn't send us there. We make the choice whether we want to be free from condemnation, if we want to be his people. The choice is up to us. So let's look at John 3, 16 to 18. Very basic message. John 3, 16 to 18. Very familiar passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Passage you're very familiar with, I'm sure. What does that mean? Because of sin, each one of us, as we're born and we go through life, we have a sentence of condemnation over our lives. God knew that. That's why Jesus said, I'll go and save them. I'll go pay the price. I'll give them freedom. I'll give them new life. There's no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. The only way, no matter what people advertise us, say, there's only one way, and his name is Jesus. He's the only one who gave his life for us. When he gave his life, he paid the price for us and redeemed us and set us free. So in order to have a holy life that's pleasing to God, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. The only way to have a holy life is to be saved, to be born again, to accept the pardon that Jesus Christ paid for with his own precious blood. I'm going to read this passage from the message again just to give you a little different slant. It says, This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. God doesn't desire that any human being perish. And he does offer opportunities. I'm so glad God allowed me to accept his opportunity of salvation 
after I was almost killed a couple of other times earlier in my life. I'm so thankful. Maybe the reason I'm so thankful to God is I know that I could be living in hell right now. And it would have been a lot hotter than here, midsummer. I'm so grateful to him. I mean, I really am. Because I know there's so many people around us who aren't saved. And if they die without Jesus, they're going to hell, not because God wants to send them there. It's because they didn't accept the pardon. God's provided a pardon to anyone who would accept him. I have so many other things that I'd like to say, but I noticed that I guess I got a little carried away here. But the first step to holiness is accepting the gift of redemption, salvation from Jesus Christ. And if you have accepted that gift, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Communicate a little bit with Him. Talk to Him. Listen to Him. If you listen to Him, you'll hear more. If you shut out His voice, you won't hear Him after a while. If He's told you for a while about certain things He wants you to do and not do, and you keep not listening after a while, you'll grieve Him and you won't hear Him anymore. Amen? So it's all about accepting Jesus. And secondly, it's about relying on the power of salvation. I want to just read, if you can bear with me, just a few more moments. There's one more scripture I want to read through for you. I'll bypass some of the other notes I had. Uh, I think I've gotten the main gist of what God wants to say. But I'd like you to look with me at Titus 2, 11 to 15. Titus 2, 11 to 15. And I hope maybe during the week you'll kind of think about these scriptures that we've shared. But let's look at Titus right now. This is from Paul to Titus, who had said... Titus to establish elders to set up the church. And so Titus was a bit younger than Paul. He was a disciple of Paul. This is what Paul says to Titus. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Amen? The power to live a Christian life comes from the Holy Spirit. We need to say no to wickedness and ungodliness when God convicts us of that. 
and we should also listen to his voice to strive after what he wants us to accomplish. We should be looking to grow in holiness. Do you want to grow in holiness? Do you want to be more Christ-like? Do you want to be more useful to God? Do you want to be a better example? Do you want to have victory over sin? If you don't know Jesus, you need to accept him today. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths and believe with our hearts, we will be saved. Now, the heart in the Bible has to do with the intellect, the emotions, and the will. Sometimes I fear that some people have just intellectually accepted Jesus Christ. It hasn't been the total package of what the heart is in the Bible. It means to will, and it means I know I'm a sinner. I have true sorrow for my sin. I want to love God. I want to serve God. It's not just intellectual. It fills my emotions and fills my will. I am going to decide to live for Jesus Christ. I want to be one of his special people. Amen? I guess I'll need to end here, but I really want to pray because, again, as I say, I just want, don't want to give a nice little message. I really feel I've shared what God wants me to share. But you know what? I think some of you probably need some freedom. Some of you probably need to accept Jesus Christ completely with your will, with your emotions, with your heart. And some of you have to tell him, even today, I make a, de I make a decision today. I'm going to live a holy life. doesn't mean a perfect life. And it doesn't mean doing it on my own. It means basically when God speaks to me to stop doing something, I stop doing it. And when God speaks to me about doing something, I say, yes, Lord, I will do that. God's in control. He who began this good work in you will bring it to completion. Follow his lead. Don't try to make yourself holy. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. You can close your eyes for a few moments if you want. If you know you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, there is a sentence of condemnation over your life because sin does that. And the only way it can be removed is accepting the pardon that Jesus offers. Do you want a pardon? Are you, are you tired of living your own life and you want to live for Jesus? Tell him that. Tell him you know you're a sinner. You have issues. You need his help. Tell him that you want him to forgive your sin and you want him to take up residence in your life. You want him to take control of your life. And tell him if you know in your heart you haven't been really living for him, Tell him, if at some point you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life, and you know you haven't really been serious with God. A lot of people would think you're a great Christian, but you're really not. You're just messing around. You don't ask God what he wants you to do. You don't say no to sin. You're just kind of rolling around, rolling with the punches. If that's you, tell God you're really sorry about that. And today... You want to make a change? You need his help? 
You need the Holy Spirit to start changing you. And if you have a particular issue, I really believe in the power of prayer, and I know Jesus is here when we gather as his church. Tell him your particular issue. You don't have to tell me. It's between you and God. Just tell him what you need help with. Whatever it is, I promise you, in Jesus' name, he will help you. Tell him. Be honest. Have an honest relationship. Father, I thank you, and I praise you, and I bless you. Father, I give you glory, and I give you honor. Father, we want to get serious with you today. You've spoken to us about holiness. I know, Lord, that isn't my message. It's your message. I think I've delivered it. I hope I did. I ask you, Lord, to make up for any gaps, things I didn't explain. Father, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come upon this assembly in such a way that people would have hope who are struggling with sin problems that they can't get rid of, that others who have never really accepted Jesus Christ or half-heartedly accepted him, I pray, Father, that those people would know without a doubt that they are saved and that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in them. Father, I praise you and I bless you and I give you all the glory. I give you all the honor. Isn't God great? Turn to someone and say, God is great. And let's worship him a little bit more and give him all the glory. Thank you, worship team. We appreciate it.